today on Know How. Oh, you know, nothing but the best games of the year. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This episode of Know How is brought to you by Hover. Register a domain name with Hover and build your online brand today. Go to hover.com slash twit and save 10% off your first purchase. And by Avnet. Avnet and Not Impossible Labs created a historic event at the Life is Beautiful Music Festival, a first-of-its-kind live concert that helped the deaf and hearing communities experience music in a whole new way. Visit avnet.com slash music1 to see the journey. Welcome to Know How. I'm Jason Howell, joined as always by Sam Moskovich from Ars Technica from another part of the country. How's it going, Sam? It is going very well in gray and rainy Seattle. Hey, gray and, ra- gray and rainy Seattle sounds a lot like gray and rainy Petaluma. Weird. Well, I'll tell you what's a good thing to do when it's gray and rainy wherever you live yeah. is to dive into video games and not just any video games. How about the best video games? How about the best? I mean, 2018... It was a banner year for video games. Would you say that? I mean, you follow video games every single year, so maybe the year that you're always in seems like a great year for gaming. What do you think, like, in just your quick summary of 2018 in gaming? Was it a great year, or was it just, meh, it was okay? (laughs) There were video games other than Fortnite, and (laughs) they were good. We we talk a lot about Fortnite in the gaming world because everybody's able to play it on every single device. No kidding. But this is a list of games that are not Fortnite. First off, because Fortnite came out last year. So okay. uh, whether you want to, however you rate your best of a certain year or not in a games as a service world, uh, this is a lot of different games on all of the consoles. We're talking PC. We're talking Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, PlayStation 4. What? Uh, not, what? Not really 3DS, though, even though that's still out. We're, we're focusing on those big dogs of really awesome games that you can hold in your hand can play on a controller, maybe dive into VR. Uh, we have a lot to go through. I uh, I was asked do. to come up with a modest list. I failed. It is immodest. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing because let's be let's be honest. If this is the year in review, it's also kind of like a holiday gift guide sort of thing as far as gaming. Maybe you have someone in your life that you want to buy them a video game that they don't already have for the holiday season. You want options. And Sam has provided options. So why don't we jump right in? Uh, This first segment, we're going to deal specifically with multi-platform games. That's Xbox One, that's PS4, which I got a PS4, by the way. So I'm I'm stoked for this segment, uh, this whole episode, so I can figure out what to get for it. Uh, Also, PC is thrown in there. And you got a lot of games uh, listed here. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with VR? Because everybody has VR. You know, I th- this is, by the way, not a ranked list. Sarcasm. We are throwing out a lot of recommendations, yeah. and I made this list as just a taste of games that will cover a lot of ages and a lot of interests. So your favorite genre or your favorite niche game may not make it. doesn't mean it's not good, but we have a lot to dig in. And the first thing is the VR game that everyone is going to enjoy. It is called Beat Saber. 
It is on PlayStation VR and uh, Vive and Oculus Rift. This is one where you're going to need handheld controllers because you have lightsabers in the middle of a crazy uh, world where notes are coming at you. The way I like to describe it, it is DDR for VR. You can't jump around while you've got a headset on. You can't do the whole bouncing on uh, foot pads like you could in the arcade. So how the heck do you make that work in VR? You bombard your vision with these little blocks that have arrows on them and you slash them to a certain direction and it's time to the beat of the songs. Now on PlayStation 4 and PC it comes with uh, a bunch of pre-made songs. But if you get it on P- PC, you can mod in custom songs. It is not hard to find in a, a huge repository. Uh, go to Reddit, look for Reddit Beat Saber custom songs. You will find all kinds of your favorite songs and you're not going to have to pay the license fees in order to try them. How legally dubious that is, let's not talk about that. It's a way to lightsaber your way through songs that you actually know. So if you can get any of those VR systems in your hands with the hand controllers as opposed to a, a standard controller, Beat Saber, do it. Yeah, so, you would need that. Well, and, and in the chat, someone's saying, so Guitar Hero with the drum kit. Another person, Virgil, is saying Fruit Ninja for music. There's a lot of it's parallels definitely, here. It's more Fruit Ninja for music is okay. how I'd put it. But it uh. feels really good. It's, it's I, I yeah, it's a great workout. It really makes songs you love come to life fun. anew it's yeah, awesome it looks a lot of fun so let's move on to something that doesn't require a bulky headset uh i'm calling this the best zelda game of the year and that is assassin's creed odyssey Whoa. now we've is that probably a diss? seen is that a diss on zelda I, well this year there was no new zelda well, that's true and I guess so when we talk and when i call it when i think of a zelda game i think about a giant world with a sort of mix of open world just destroying little things around uh hidden surprises exploring in a giant place these sort of dungeons where you have to dive in and figure stuff out. It doesn't have as many puzzles necessarily as a Zelda game, but it has that sense of wonder and discovery because I've played a lot of Assassin's Creed games in my day and I will get tired of them as much as the next person. But I believe this is the one that combines all of the ideas that have been happening over the past five years of the series uh, from naval battle to this sort of Witcher 3 style opening up of an RPG system. There's just a lot of giant quest here. It is violent and there is some hokey bits to the story, but all in all, if you just want a long giant game that just delivers hours of that kind of open world, solid exploration game, this is one that is going to work. I'm not going to call it the best game of the year, but it is absolutely a I want a giant quest kind of game to play. I would pick that over some others in that category. Uh a real quick one here. We're gonna speaking of sort of questing. If you need an old school RPG, Drag, Dragon Quest XI is out on PlayStation 4 and Windows PC. It's big. It's old school, and it does not compromise that sort of sense of random battle, tapping away through simple menus, and going through a giant quest with a lot of cute stereotypical characters, but with some amazing set pieces. These really exuberant anime voice actors that just get it right in terms of what cheesiness does work. Um, I will add very strongly, though, the soundtrack is not good because there's these there are incredible compositions that were made by a dubious composer. We won't get into this guy, but he makes it so that the games ship with really bad MIDI sound effects as opposed to the full-fledged orchestral versions. If you get it on PC, you can find a way to swap the soundtrack. 
You'll have to do some Googling for that one, but I trust me, it is worth it because what? the actual compositions are incredible. But why? Like, wh why Why is that exactly? Short like, version? Do you think it would, it would have the best music possible? Why? why because they want to sell CD versions of the soundtrack in Japan. It's a, there's, a, there's actually some really good YouTube explainers about okay. this. It's a strange thing, way too much to get into for best yep. of, but the music's great, and if you can, you can find a way to get the good versions of the music into this game uh, on PC. Now, cool. if we're going to, speaking of Japanese combat, uh, there are a lot of fighting games this year, uh, and I'll get to one big one later in the episode, but one I would say just for all around most interesting fighting game of the year, I'm going to have to give that to Dragon Ball Fighters or Fighter Z. I, I don't know which way is quote unquote correct. But when you get a street fighting game where you've got your punches and kicks, your joysticks, you've got these sort of standard things you do when you sit and play a fighting game. And this doesn't necessarily break the mold in a giant way, but it does unify all of the characters to have essentially the same kinds of moves. Meaning you're not having to memorize a ton of these quarter circle, half circle, hold back then forward, all these things that you can think of from 90s Street Fighter style games. Instead, every character has slight tweaks on the same formula where it's more about timing. And that means that everyone is sort of on the same page with these three-on-three -three battles of insane Dragon Ball characters who are all rendered incredibly. The video, if you're watching the video version of this, that's real-time action. They're taking cell shading and really clever 3D tricks what? to make the game look like a hand-drawn cartoon. But this is all rendered in 3D with crazy tricks. It looks amazing. And you can just smash buttons and get there just fine. But the ability to get in with these clever sort of every character is quite similar motif to me makes this a lot more about what is it like to just get into a fight with somebody as opposed to having to memorizing a giant book. So... That is that's on a bunch of systems. That's I will impressive say, that it's being rendered in real time because it really looks like you're watching like an anime instead of yeah. actually playing a game. That's kind of the dream. And it, and it feels like an anime when you're yeah. actually fighting it. Dragon Ball Z is nuts, and this game feels nuts. And it's actually even good on the Switch. Whatever system you get it on, it performs well. Uh, now let's rewind. There's a lot of games as service stuff in Sorry. this year's... I know. I, I, have, <laughs> I go and go and go. There's a lot of games, I, I told you. Um <laughs> But the the there's a lot, you know, we talked about Fortnite earlier. That's sort yeah. of a game as a service. But to me, the biggest comeback story in terms of a game that's existed and come back for redemption is No Man's Sky. It is time to get the big, loud applause out for the team at Hello Games who forked the launch of this game. They made a lot of promises. They wanted people to get as excited as they were about their dreams. The reality did not come to fruition when it came out. Uh, originally on PlayStation 4 and PC. Now it's also on Xbox One, and they have added so many systems over the past few years and finally squished them all together in a whole new patch that adds really great plot, really great uh, building of uh, these sort of bases. Uh, the world looks better. It just feels more like a real video game and feels a lot more like the vision that they put out there that you were going to always discover something new and interesting that actually felt fun to play. Not a perfect game, but you can get it for pretty cheap. Uh, if you can find this for about 20 bucks and you just want to bliss out in a crazy it world where everything looks like a 70s sci-fi book cover, boom, No Man's Sky. Wow. And and so you feel like with this update, it's brought it closer to kind of the original promise. Because I remember when it came out, there was a lot of disappointment about it. Uh, it was so anticipated. 
uh, and, and this brings it kind of closer to that original vision, but not Absolutely. quite entirely there, would you say? Oh, I mean, they, they, they promised the moon and yeah. they gave us, you know, a, a moon landing. They did it. <laughs> they they, I, mean, I really think I really think they did. And let's remember, not update, updates. They continue to pound yeah. out updates. Another one just came out last week. They're not done. They made a lot of money making this as only a 10-man team and they are paying that forward. And thank goodness. Bravo. Yeah. Uh, now, in terms of smartphone gaming, I want to talk about... PUBG Mobile. Now, there's a lot of people, again, I say Fortnite a lot, but I argue that PUBG Mobile is a more satisfying, more streamlined experience for playing on phone. The reason being, you do not get a sort of cross-population thing when you're playing this game on mobile. It is PUBG Mobile does sort of the similar thing as Fortnite. You drop into a giant island, you're battling 99 other people to be the last person standing. But this one is downloaded in ways that simplify the action that happens on the PC version. You don't need to pay a penny to have a good time in PUBG Modal. You do need to have an internet connection. So if you're playing on a bus and you're kind of dropping into and out of signal, you might, you know, die because you lost your signal for a second. But it's just really a solid engine. It just runs well on phone. And it's sort of funny because PUBG has suffered not running as well on, for example, Xbox One. So it, it's sort of a, cr a crazy thing to say that PUBG Mobile, working on crappy smartphones, is a more likely game to have good performance on whatever phone you have, but there you go. Grab it for free if you want to play something violent while you're on the bus. Yeah. Let's move to a totally different category, because I'm doing some weird categories here, and one of mine is the most interesting eSport of the year. Spy Party. I'm just quickly mentioning this game because it has been in development for a long time. It had an early access release years ago, uh, and it's finally out as just a beautiful, weird game where one person is a sniper and one person is an attendee at a party. It's two-player. And it's asymmetrical, meaning the sniper is trying to figure out which person in this 12 to 15 character party is a human as opposed to a computer-controlled character. And there's a lot of psychological back and forth as to who might be the human, what the tells might be, and how the game sort of forces you to uh, do certain things that might break you and show that, oh, you're a human in this thing. So there's that. And it's a weird one. I love it. I love watching it. I, it's very hard to play, but it's very satisfying to watch. So get onto twitch.tv and check that out if you ever can. So moving on to something that I'm not going to say is everyone's cup of tea, but has to be in the year-end list. This is a game called Return of the Obra Dinn. I'm calling it the most ambitious game of 2018. It is a one-bit murder mystery. As huh. in... Only colors are black and white, like an old Macintosh or uh, systems like that. That's but it's great. all done 3D. And your job in this game is to investigate the scene of a giant... Uh, uh, it's a, it, the, the whole thing is, is a pirate ship where everyone has died. You get there, everyone's dead, and you're an insurance adjuster. And you have to figure out exactly how everyone died for the sake of your insurance job. No way! And all... So the, the one thing you can do to figure out clues is you can hold up a magical pocket watch that reveals the moment that each person died. You'll hear them talk, and you'll see a, a freeze-frame moment in 3D of how the death happened. And it's a pirate ship in the 1800s with some mystical elements. So you can imagine some of the deaths are weird, but you essentially have to use a lodger to file every single name, every single death, figure it all out using documents. It's sort of uh, Carmen Sandiego for the modern computer age, yeah, no even kidding. though it looks ancient. It's 
wonderful, but weird. It's And it's tough. You really do have to turn on your brain. It may feel like you're at school playing this game, but I swear it is worth it. If anything about that sounds good to you. Any any replay value on a game like this? I have to imagine the one time you go through it, then you're like, okay, well, I solved all that. I don't need to play it again. No, I mean, that's the catch. It's sort of older school in that way, yeah. where you once you figure it out, you, you might speed run it, I suppose, if yeah. that's a thing that you like to do. But no, it's, it's definitely about going through like a book and it's that just it's, so cool yeah there's no other video game like it this year it has to be in your year-end list even if you don't love it. yeah it looks really great so, and uh, i can finish this list with my personal game of the year uh we're we've got more games to talk about that are incredible but my game of the year that is on multiple platforms is celeste Celeste, when you look at this game, starts off looking like any other modern puzzle platformer. You're running around in 2D. Everything's sort of chunky, pixelated like a Super Nintendo game. You're a little girl jumping around. Who have sort, you have sort of a double jump ability. The way this game unfolds, every single level adds some new wrinkle to how you jump and move around. It's very clever in adding your superpowers into the levels as opposed to making you memorize more moves or add more buttons, meaning you've always got a very simple and accessible button suite to figure everything out. Plus, the game adapts in terms of how you want to play it. You can go through very easily and quickly through the basic levels. You can hunt for a wholly optional set of little berries that you pick up along the way. And on top of all of this is an incredible musical score and this touching story. Um, imagine, I don't know if you've ever been hiking or mountain climbing, but the feeling of climbing and mounting some insurmountable thing in your life is really represented in the story and the idea of this young woman climbing a mountain, both literally and figuratively in the game. It really moved me. I got to tears because of the combination of the story, the aesthetics, and the feeling that I'd really accomplished something by figuring out how to jump around in this game. It feels great. All of the jumping has that sort of Mario style, just perfect twitchiness to it. I cannot recommend Celeste enough. Buy Celeste, buy a copy of Celeste to your friends. It's tops wow and it's uh it's not that expensive it's just 20 bucks and it's really good on the switch so if you want that sort of school kind of game that feels good on the switch great it's on other systems feels good on the couch get it get it get it that looks really cool i'm gonna have to check that out obviously uh and and you know if you have any one of the three major systems right now you can that's kind of what this first segment was all about multi-platform games but we're gonna take a break and we're going to thank the sponsor, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about some uh, more console-specific, starting with the Nintendo Switch. Before we do that, let's thank the sponsor of this episode, and that is Hover. Building your online brand has never been more important. You know how important it is. You kind of got to start with a URL, with a domain that represents you or your product or whatever it is you're trying to uh, trying to build up for the online community. Your online identity begins with your domain name. Uh, and so to that end, you can domain name whatever your passion happens to be. You can buy a, a domain, domain name. You know it's important because it's the first and it's the biggest step to building that brand online. So your domain name is actually going to uh, broadcast and, and tell the online community who you are and what you're passionate about. Maybe you're a designer or maybe you are a creative professional. You could use .design instead of a generic domain extension. That's going to tell people right there, by using .design, is going to tell everyone exactly 
what you do and who you are. Web hosts and websites evolve as their brand, their website, their hosting needs change. So keeping your domain separate from hosting gives you a lot of flexibility so that you can choose the right platform for your business uh, as things go along. No one wants to be stuck with a solution that isn't quite meeting their needs. You want to have that flexibility. Hover offers the best-in-class customer support team uh, and no upsells. That's really nice. Hover Connect feature allows you to connect your domain name to many website builders, and all it takes is just a few simple clicks. Uh, personalized email that matches your domain, that makes it even more, you know, provides even more support for your online identity. And Hover has over 400 domain extensions to choose from uh, to help you build and brand yourself online. You can find just the right one, kind of like dot design. That's so descriptive of who you might be. Stand out and brand yourself online with the perfect domain name for you or your business. New customers actually get 10% off by going to hover.com slash twit. That's 10% off your first purchase at hover.com slash twit. And we thank Hover for their support of this episode of Know How. All right, so uh, this next uh, kind of block, we're going to talk about the Nintendo Switch. It's the system that made the top of my eight-year-old daughter's Christmas Santa list. I'm not sure if she's getting it. I'm not sure I was prepared for that. I honestly didn't think that she was going to come back with that. I'm like, wow, you really liked the Switch when we had it. Uh, but I know that, that it's a lot of fun, and I know that there are a lot of games. Sam, tell us what games we should really pay attention to. Well, we're in 2018, so we, there was a lot of talk about the Switch last year. It was a big splash of a year. We had Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey. That was a big one-two punch for Nintendo fans. Yeah. So if you haven't gotten a Switch yet... Uh, you're great starting off with those two. Those are both wonderful games that show off the Switch difference. Uh, in terms of first-party games and hits, there was a lot of other stuff last year that was great. We had Splatoon 2. We had ARMS. ARMS being a really clever new fighting game. It didn't sell very well, but I thought it was great. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Again, that was all last year. Why am I talking about last year so much? Because this year was not a great year for Nintendo first-party games. The We had Mario Tennis Aces, which was uh, a kind of fine but weird version of older Mario Tennis games. Um and that's kind of about it. Wow. Uh, there were a lot of games that came out on Switch, but people go to Nintendo systems for Nintendo games. Yeah. And it just wasn't... Oh, we had... I'm sorry, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which came out on the Wii U. So if you didn't get the Wii U and you wanted to see that very solid game, you can go with that. But again, kind of old. So what did we get that was actually new this year from Nintendo? Well... Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee are currently the quote-unquote biggest new games for the system. And that's a funny way to talk about it because they're both retreads of the very first Pokemon games, meaning Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow on the Game Boy in the 90s. Those games have been remade once before. This is sort of a Pokemon Go remake, meaning that institutes some of the things that you do in the smartphone games. Particularly, you throw little Pokeballs physically in the world instead of getting into random character battles. If you've ever played Pokemon games, you know about random character battles. You're walking around, you're trying to collect them all, and that requires getting into battle after battle after battle in order to get the exact Pokemon you want. Uh, that has been removed, and this removal really made people concerned about whether this is going to be a true Pokemon game or if they were dumbing it down for the smartphone crowd. What I found 
this is how Pokemon games should be going forward. This mini game system allows this process of grinding and grinding and grinding to get your perfect Pokemon group to be a lot more fluid and interesting. And there's still the hardcore basic battling system of different types of Pokemon facing off against each other, meaning you still have to deal with water versus fire versus electric versus poison versus metal. All of these different types of crazy Pokemon creatures all still have to face off in what are known as trainer battles. So I know I'm kind of going in the weeds there, but the basic thing is if you've never done Pokemon, this really is a solid way to get in and say, oh, I'm a grown-up and I'm kind of curious about all these cute monsters. Maybe it's a throwback to my youth. Boom, this is the game to do it. Or I'm a hardcore Pokemon player who wants to try something a little different and breezy. Boom, there you go. It's not the ultimate hardcore game that longtime fans are going to say, yes, this is a true sequel. It's also not a game that's going to take someone who thinks Pokemon is stupid and change their mind. But if you're in that slew in the middle, and I think there's a lot of people who are, this is a good game. Uh, and there's now, a little bit of, the, the, real quick before we move on, what is the integration between Pokemon Go on the smartphone and Pokemon uh, Let's Go? Like, how does that tie in specifically? Because people could have been playing Pokemon Go for a year and a half. Uh, that is the question, that yes. that right in, right? Basically, after you get to a certain point in the Switch game, you'll open up a garden. And in that garden, you can transfer characters from your smartphone collection of characters to the Switch game and vice versa. Uh, okay. I it's, well, it's not vice versa. It's only from the phone to the game. But uh, it's it's a cute thing. It's a nice bonus if you really like Pokemon Go on your phone. Uh, but I would not say that it's a reason to get the, those two games connected. Got it's it. it's not, you know, if you're already into Pokemon Go, then you're probably going to be interested in Pokemon Let's Go. And it's sort of a nice bone to be thrown as opposed to, oh, my God, it's such a really awesome thing. Because you don't want to get screwed if you are outside the Pokemon Go system. And this game is good at being like, you're brand new. That's fine. You're not missing anything. Come uh, on. Come on. So that's nice. There's it. one, I believe there's one character that you have to use the phone to get into the game, and that's its own crazy jump through hoops. There's always like one or two Pokemon that Nintendo makes very hard and difficult and weird to access. So by, if you get to that point of playing this game and being that obsessed, then that's sort of your route to go crazy. Sure, sure. Uh, I played around with this next thing, and uh, I'm curious to know what you think about it for for the holidays. Is it Labo? I can't remember if it's. I think it's Labo. Nintendo Labo. Labo. I mean, you know, it's whatever you want to call it because they <laughs> make up their own words. Uh, yeah, and that was another big thing that was released when I talked yeah. about first party things, and I didn't list it because I'm I'm not totally sold on it. I think Nintendo set out. There's me dressed up in the weird uh, robot suit. No, that's normal, uh, Sam. That's normal. That's just an average work day. Every day. But the idea of this set is it is specifically for parents and children. There is no other use case for this as far as I'm concerned because you're taking a whole bunch of sheets of cardboard and poking out pieces and sticking them together using rubber bands, fitting them together, folding, and creating anything from a player piano to a robot suit to a fishing pole. It all looks really clever. The ads really blew me away and I was very excited. The problem is that the games that are included are pretty superficial. You're going to have a much more interesting time building this set and building it with a kid than you are either playing the game or as a grown-up putting cardboard together. There's certain creativity that's enabled in terms of I could put stickers on the cardboard, I can get markers. But again, this is much more about hands-on construction than this is about 
innovative, interesting gaming. Because ultimately, the games that are included in this set feel like cheap, simple fare from the Wii era. Playing with the piano, to me, did not feel like some sort of Guitar Hero revelation or some other sort of MIDI-controlled music awesomeness. It's fine. But again, you just want to look at this not as a video game, but as a construction project. If you like the sound of that, sure. But I would not put it on a video game list because the video game part, to me, is just fine. Interesting. So the gaming is just kind of secondary to the actual construction. Uh, right. Still still a neat integrated uh, setup for kids. Probably, I, I don't Absolutely. know how much replay it's, there is around that. But. I think basically look for the sale and yeah. get the variety kit. Don't go for the robot suit kit. The game in that is terrible. The payoff between building the backpack and actually playing games takes forever. Uh, although I will say there are children who are just going to enjoy wildly flailing and punching madly. But, you know, you, you they might do that without the, the $90 or however much it costs. Kit. <laughs> it's like 60 bucks uh, is what it's on sale for right now. Cool. All right, what's next? Well, the one thing that I can't really talk about, uh, I don't have access to it yet, is one game, the big exception to this list of no first-party Nintendo games, Smash Brothers Ultimate. I went to an event in New York City last month, and I got to play the final version of the game for about 20 minutes. I showed up late. It was like a four-hour thing, and I was in New York for a whole... The fact that I was in New York was serendipity. Point being, there is a lot in this game. 74 characters, give or take. Uh, Smash Brothers for the Uninitiated is an opportunity to take all of your favorite cute Nintendo characters and have them beat the stuffing out of each other in a fighting game. Unlike Street Fighter, this is not a game where you beat people down in terms of hit points or health, you try to knock them off of a platform. So it's got sort of this Kid Icarus, but with punches and fighting sort of mix to me. If you're an 80s kid, mm -hmm. you would get that Kid Icarus mm -hmm. feeling. Um, and it's just huge. And there's new characters, there's more modes, there's online play. Uh, I am absolutely looking forward to it. I didn't play it enough to review what I played, but I've played it at different events. I will say this, at E3 this summer, I got to sneak through a bunch of lines and play against average fans over and over on an incomplete build. And the speed of it, the, the general action of it, is the kind of thing that makes me say, yes, this is just going to be a no-brainer if you've played Smash Brothers before and want more of that style. Whether the game is going to do anything for people who've never played Smash Brothers is a good question and one I look forward to exploring in the very near future. But definitely put this on your on your Switch list if you care about old Nintendo characters punching each other in the face. Love it, love it. And people who are fans of the Smash Brothers kind of catalog, I mean, it's yeah, like you said, it's a no-brainer as far as that's concerned. As far as from what you're showing off here, it looks like a lot of fun. Right. All right. Oh, and so now let's switch on. Let's switch ha, 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 ah. to uh, ports. There are a lot of ports of games that have come out in the past uh, for the Switch. I did a big piece at Ars Technica about a range of them from the past few years. But I want to highlight the two of my favorites uh, in terms of quote unquote triple A Switch ports from this year. Uh, the first of those is Diablo 3. Diablo 3 has come out five gazillion times. Uh, but unlike some ports that have come out that have come out a zillion times that I don't necessarily want to rebuy, um, Diablo 3 to me feels perfect for the Nintendo Switch. This is a game that was designed for older computers, and that means the Nintendo Switch is more powerful than the systems that Diablo 3 was originally built for. It means it looks great. It runs at 60 frames a second. It runs with a bunch of craziness going on on screen in terms of spells and effects and monsters exploding all over. And that can wear down a tiny switch cpu and gpu but it holds up and it supports local and online multiplayer you can just be out and about 
set up the switch on a little uh, table with the little um, hinge. It's got the tablet mode is what they call it. And you can split your Joy-Cons and hold them sideways like old Nintendo controllers and play two-player Diablo in a pinch. Now, the screen's a little small. It's not ideal for that, but you can do it. There's just a lot in Diablo 3. It is a big game. It got patched like crazy over the years. And some people just didn't play it for whatever reason. It's also on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and computer. But this version is so good. And if you didn't play it yet, grab it. If you've already played it, and you're worried about getting addicted again, don't, because you will get addicted. Uh, another port that I'd like to point out, Dark Souls. This is the first Dark Souls game. It came out on PlayStation 3 a gazillion years ago, and it w- had uneven performance on that platform. Now, in the future, we're on the Switch, a portable system, and it arguably runs better, meaning you can finally play some of this game's tough, brutally tough challenges without worrying about the frame rate hitching and you missing that perfect jump in order to not get killed by the most terrible boss ever. There is a catch. Dark Souls Remastered on the Switch has compressed audio. If you put on headphones, you will hear scratchy sounds, especially with voices. Mm. It sucks. So that's a it's a shame because the audio design in that game is really good. But all of that brutal challenge and timing perfect kind of dodging in this game is still holds up on the Switch. This is a 30 frames a second game, not 60. There are people who really care about this sort of thing. And I'm a frame rate junkie, but I can make Dark Souls work. Like in terms of my kind of gaming preferences. And so I really encourage anyone who's interested in the Dark Souls series and has a Switch to check that one out. And then in terms of ports, there's a bunch of other games that came out on many different platforms, and I want to quickly rattle through them. If you own a Switch, get all four of these games. Number one, Into the Breach. This is a strategy game. Uh, It's sort of high-tech Starship Troopers chess. Came out early in the year, it's on computer, and now it's on Switch. It scales incredibly well to the joysticks on a Joy-Con controller. Uh, The second game, we're we're doing this one real fast because there's a bunch. Dead Cells. Dead Cells came out in early release. Uh, I want to say last year finally had its retail version come out on all the consoles and PC. But this game is essentially a randomly generated Castlevania Symphony of the Night. What more do you need to hear? When I say that series, what I mean is the pedigree, the action, the button timings, the items that you can randomly get, the level designs, the monsters. It is on par with that with Symphony of the Night. Number three, Minute, M-I-N-I-T. This is a game where you die every 60 seconds. It plays a lot like the Game Boy uh, Legend of Zelda game Link's Awakening, and it kind of looks like it. So every 60 seconds, you die, but... Whatever you've done in that 60 seconds is saved so that when you come back to life, you go in the next direction and go on to the next thing. <laughs> what better game for the Switch than one where every 60 seconds you st- die and start again? You can play three, four, five, six lives, turn it off, come back to it later. It is perfect for this sort of for pick up and go. That is baked into it. And the last one, Ninjin Clash of Carrots. Nobody's talking about this game. That's N-I-N-J-I-N. If you type that in, the rest of it will come up. This is also on multiple platforms. Feels really great on Switch. This is a shoot 'em up a shmup. So we're talking old uh, R-Type wow. and some of these old uh, games in arcades. But you are running around on your feet with a samurai sword and a bunch of different items. So it takes this sort of old school arcade mentality and combines it with something that feels kind of like the Goemon series, G-O-E-M-O-N, which was huge uh, in Japan by Konami. There was Legend of the Legend of the Mystical Ninja was its name in the States. So if any of those things I just said sound like your kind of catnip, get this this game. 
Man, I'm I'm really impressed, I, you know, and I'm I'm way less connected to all this stuff than you are. So I'm curious to hear what you think about this. Really impressed with the quality and the innovation coming from the indie game development uh, houses. What, those four games are just. You could just get those four games and be done for the year. They're all that's quite so... good, but that's sort of a limited. Those are all kind of uh, t- tailored toward the twitchier, yeah. faster play. Although Into the Breach is definitely a smart game. That is not a twitchy game. Right on. All right, so we're going to take a break and thank the sponsor and then come back and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Xbox One PS4 exclusives and uh, dive into that. But before we do that, let's thank the sponsor of this episode of Know How, and that is Avnet. And we're going to talk a little bit about some really interesting groundbreaking technology uh, that an incubator <laughs> like Avnet can help with. Uh, and it's basically around solving the challenges that we have, uh, that, that some people have uh, in, in our lives. Uh, basically, they're leveraging an end-to-end ecosystem that turns ideas, ideas to solve some of these problems into marketable products. Uh, not Impossible Labs had an idea specifically for technology that could revolutionize live music. The team wanted to bring the experience of a concert to a group who had traditionally found it inaccessible, the deaf community. So, you know, obviously live music is something the hearing able, we, we take that for granted, right? We go, we know what to expect when we go. We get the full experience and we're lucky to get that. It's such an incredible experience. It touches on all senses. And then, of course, the challenge lies in making concerts and live music events more inclusive for the deaf. So with Avnet as their guide, their idea evolved to one of the most sophisticated wearables on the market that helped uh, to create a, a shared live concert experience for, that everybody could enjoy called Music Not Impossible. The product allows deaf and hearing concert goers alike to literally, they feel the music through this advanced vibration technology. It shakes their body and experience it together for the first time. So they're all in the same area, all enjoying it in the same way. Those wearables, I mean, they, they are actually wearables. They're in the strictest sense, they're wearing a vest and those components send vibrations through the ankles, the wrists, the chest, all throughout their body. The hearing able to receive the music vibrations, of course, through their ears, while attendees who are deaf and wearing, wearing these uh, wearables receive those vibrations through other parts of their body. And that just allowed everyone to experience this live concert uh, side by side. Everybody together. Really awesome. For many, this was the first time uh, for them in that experience, an innovation that literally opens up a whole new world of music exploring uh, to those who might not hear it in the traditional sense. So Avnet and Not Impossible Labs revealed Music Not Impossible at the Life is Beautiful Music Festival in Las Vegas. It was a huge hit. And this is just a testament to the kind of innovation uh, that's brought to the finish line because of Avnet. So visit avnet.com slash music one. That's music and then the number one. And you'll see the journey for yourself. There's a bunch of videos so you can kind of take a look and get a further idea of how Avnet makes this possible. That's avnet.com slash music one. And we thank Avnet for their support of this episode of Know How. All right, so now we're talking Xbox One and PS4 exclusives. Uh, why don't we start with the, the PlayStation 4 uh, and uh, dive in there? What do you think? Yeah, and this is we're combining these because these are sort of the, the, the living room boxes. These yeah. are the ones that definitely kick butt at 1080p, uh, and, uh, unlike Switch, which can sometimes choke up. And 
each system has very big exclusives. With PlayStation 4, let's go with my number two game of the year, right beneath Celeste. I mean, by a pixel. And this is Spider-Man. Oh, really? Uh, Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 is absolutely everything I wanted in a Marvel superhero game in the Marvel Cinematic Universe era. Uh, we have waited way too long for a game that feels like a Marvel film since Marvel films have finally gotten good. Like, you know, we've... Yeah. Uh, one say it's 10, 11 years since Iron Man really broke that open. And what Spider-Man does is it combines that sort of really tone-perfect plot with that exhilarating feeling that you are a hero. And that's what those Marvel films do is they create these relatable characters that as you watch the movie, you sort of feel an attachment to a humanity, to that action. And with a game, that's even easier to pull off if the controls are right. There is no sensation in a video game this year more zen-like than web-slinging through virtual Manhattan in this game. The team at Insomniac Games absolutely nailed how it feels to press certain buttons. I call it a superhero water wheel. You sort of pump a set of three or four buttons over and over to swing and sweep and dive and swing and run and jump all the way through New York. And on top of that, you're fighting bad guys. You're saving people from crimes. You're saving the world. Uh, you're dealing with life as a teenager. There are things in this game that are not good. Specifically, there's a bunch of mini games where you have to fake like a scientist because, I don't know, they needed to break up the awesome parts. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> but all the stuff where you are swinging around and fighting crime is cool. The voice acting is great. And that's good because Peter Parker talks a lot. He's a snarky teen. So they nailed that. And it's beautiful. If you've got a PlayStation 4 Pro and you've got this hooked up to a nice TV, you are in for an audio-visual treat. It's just gorgeous. They even do things like having the interiors of houses and apartments wherever you go. You'll be scaling a giant building, look in the window. It's a someone's apartment. Like the details ridiculous. So boom, if you have a PlayStation 4, get Spider-Man. Period. Yeah, uh, the next a bundle, right? The limited edition PS4 oh, yeah. Pro bundle the, with, with Spider-Man. Yeah. And that was selling out like crazy during Black yeah. Friday. I know yeah, they're still pumping more of them out. Yeah. So uh, uh, I would say beneath that is God of War. I think God of War is very good at redefining what that series could be. It takes a dude uh, – I don't know. If you've been playing games as long as I have, you re may remember when God of War was about this this god character who was having a mini game where he courted women. And it was just creepy, and it was totally falling into that older gaming trope of, of macho man who rules all. This one is the reaction to that. Uh, about a tough, grizzled man who has regret and has a son and has to fight for things he believes in and deal with real life and real ramifications and real characters along the way. So you've got these ridiculous boss encounters and crazy beasts and satisfying fights and awesome technical mechanical upgrades so that you feel like you're playing a video game. And then you're giving a crap about it because of this father-son relationship, because of the beautiful world, because of the surprises in the plot. I'm not going to say it's better than Spider-Man, but this is way better of a God of War reboot than I think any of us expected because God of War was always about running around real fast, bouncing all over a camera that was elevated above. And now this one has a much tighter camera. It goes for intimacy in so many ways, and it really gets it right. So if any of that, if you want a violent game with heart, if that doesn't sound stupid to you, this will pay off for you. Hmm. Wow. And it yeah. looks fantastic. Like, yeah. it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just gorgeous. If you're watching the video feed, I really don't have a lot to say about it. It's, it's not just about cool 3D effects. It's about art direction. Yeah, no and kidding. they really understand how to make it dark 
and Norse, you know, it's a lot of Norse kind of mythology. You really in yeah. sort of a Viking world. And they just, that means they have opportunities for darkness and light, color and dirt. It's just, it's cool. So. All right. Uh, so other- I had it on my list to install this and play it beforehand because it's only been like a very short period of time that I even have a PS4 in my living room with PSVR. Uh, and I, I'm going to install this. I'm going to do it. I wanted to do it before the show, but I didn't get to it. Talk about it. My number five game of the year. We're going out of order with my numbers. That's right. Tetris Effect. Tetris Effect is a PlayStation exclusive. It does not require PlayStation VR, but that number five ranking requires a PlayStation VR headset. Uh, It's really hard to tell people. I feel like a crazy person when I describe this game because I tell them, okay, hold out your hand. Imagine from that distance from your face a... 2D Tetris field just floating there. Oh, okay. And that's that's it. You're playing Tetris. You're playing familiar old Tetris in VR. And you would think, what VR Tetris? Why aren't the blocks falling above my head? Why is it not some crazy 3D thing? The reason is everything in this game audiovisually is designed to tweak your brain into a whole different level. Uh, there, there's a lot of research about Tetris and its effect on the brain. The idea of completing lines endlessly, fitting these blocks together, tickles something in our brain somewhere. It, it, they call it the Tetris effect medically. There's studies that look at short-term amnesia sufferers still remembering Tetris after they forget other stuff, this sort of craziness. So this game essentially says, okay, while you're laser focused on the Tetris grid, we're gonna fill your peripheral vision with sights and sounds and vibrations. Your controller vibrates to the beat of the music. Music plays according to how you tap your buttons. 3D effects fill your peripheral vision. The combination of headphones and headset and everything else makes this game explode. Now, on top of that, there's a bunch of custom modes, challenge modes, chill-out modes. There's certain modes in the game that you can take certain legal legal inebriants, depending on what state you live in, and put this on, is how I will put it. And it'll blow your mind. It's just... It's just so choice. I couldn't believe how good this was. The team who made this game worked on something called Res, which was a Dreamcast classic. It got a VR version a couple of years ago. That was a trip, and this fulfills that remake's uh, insanity. It's just wonderful. You have to if you have a PlayStation VR. And if you don't, give it a shot, but it's not going to blow you away. It's simply going to be a solid Tetris game if you're just playing it on a TV. Okay, fine, I will, Sam. Fine. And I'll have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, Let's round this out. Uh, yeah, there's two more PlayStation VR games I want to point to. They're both exclusives on Sony. The first is Astrobot. Astrobot is a platformer where you use a standard controller to control a little dude running around in your peripheral vision, it, kind of Super Mario 64 style. The catch being that he needs your help, as in you, the real person, have to aim your head, bonk your head with a headbutt. Uh, use your eyes to aim little um, grappling hooks that your character you can then control to jump on the thing that you are controlling. He'll look back at you and wave, and you'll have this weird partnership. Uh, It's the most clever framing of a 3D platformer in VR I've ever seen. A lot of different companies have tried it. This is the first to truly nail it. Uh, Funny thing, the very first level has some motion sensitivity stuff that might make you feel nauseous. I complained about this over and over when I tested it out at press events. Turns out, the first level is still crappy and all the other ones are smooth. I don't know why they didn't fix that first level. At any rate, the other game I'd recommend here is Firewall Zero Hour. Firewall Zero Hour is a four-on-four online shooter where you have to duck and move while aiming a gun. You can buy a PlayStation uh, AIM VR controller, which is shaped like a gun, or you can just hold a standard DualShock 4 controller and have it be sensed by the PlayStation VR camera. Either way, 
you're holding a gun in your hands, you're using joysticks to move around comfortably, and you're actually bobbing and weaving in your chair when things get tough and dicey while taking on these really tough challenges. Essentially, you die very quickly. Every shot counts, kind of like Counter-Strike. It's essentially the best VR Counter-Strike game I've ever played that lets you sit in a chair and comfortably play. Other games on PC have tried this. I think Firewall is the best combination of comfort and accessibility. Uh, so if that sounds awesome to you and you have PSVR, get it. It sounds awesome to me, and I have PSVR. Um, there's just so many games and so little time. Uh, what about Xbox One, a game system that I don't have, so I can't risk spending more money that I don't have also? Got it. Uh, the best exclusive game on uh, Xbox One in sort of a standard way, and I'll get to a sort of weird exclusive for, play, for Xbox One in a bit. Forza Horizon 4 is my call for number four game on Sam's list of this year. Uh, it is a great open world racer. It is not surprising at all. This is the least surprising game to put on the list in terms of we expected it. Uh, Microsoft puts out Forza games like Clockwork. Uh, but this takes uh, the world of uh, a fake England. It's sort of a uh, Ireland, Scotland, UK, England mashup. I always get those names wrong. I'm sure I jumbled it up. Sorry, chat. Um, and just pumps everything up about the game to feel fun and fluid no matter when you play or how you play. It's got these sort of seasonal challenges. So if you just log in one week later, all of the seasons, all of the content will be different because it'll go from spring to summer, from summer to fall, from fall to winter. Lakes will freeze, different roads will open and close up, and different kind of races and challenges and road types will emerge as a result. It looks gorgeous whether you're on the old Xbox One, the newer Xbox One X, or a Windows 10 PC. Because again, Xbox Play Anywhere works yeah. on PC. Really nice touch. So you may not even need to buy into the Xbox ecosystem to play this game. Um, it's just... Everything about that series that I really enjoy is back and better, and I don't like saying that sort of thing. I like refreshing brand new stuff in games, but sometimes a series just gets it right in terms of letting you race around in really fast cars that are a mix of arcadey wild and realistically simulated. Love it, and it looks beautiful uh, yet again. Uh, I have to imagine on a nice sprawling 4K TV if you're if you've got the. Uh, the Xbox One you know, with 4K output, this yeah. is going to look amazing. And, and that takes me to my next subject, which is multi-platform games yeah. that are also on Xbox One X and optimized for Xbox One X. And I picked out two for this. The first one I already talked about, so I'll just say Assassin's Creed Odyssey looks really nice on Xbox One X. Gets close to 4K resolution, has HDR turned on. Now, 4K plus HDR, I've talked about it in the past, but the bottom line is if your set supports both, they work together like peanut butter and chocolate for your eyeballs. Um, and uh, Forza Horizon 4 is also really great in 4K and HDR as well in terms of that color palette. The other game I haven't put on the list yet, and you're one probably wondering why I haven't mentioned it, is Red Dead Redemption 2. This is a giant cowboy game, and it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. If you've already bought it, that means you were wanting this kind of slowly paced, wonderfully acted uneven adventure. It's huge. The online portion just opened up and is looking intriguing. The offline portion is just... There's plot and dialogue everywhere. I have some issues with the crunch culture at Rockstar Games. If you simply type Rockstar Games Red Dead Crunch into Google, you'll find stories about some bad office culture. And I think it's worth pointing out. You're, if your customer dollars don't want to be spent in that direction, I don't blame you. Uh, in terms of the game that you get to sit and play as a consumer, there is just so much Hollywood caliber production and style. It just chatter all the time. The way missions play out, wow. the sprawling scenes of 
of the the Wild West and how they pop on Xbox One X as opposed to the older Xbox 360 version is just killer. Um, but I think it's an uneven game. The pacing is super slow, and the second half of the game kind of falls apart in terms of the fun. It becomes less of a really plot-driven thing and more of auto-aiming action, not as clever of missions-wise. But on Xbox One X, it beats every other version handily. Smoother frame rates all in all, gorgeous scenery. Just It really is a game designed for as good of a TV screen as you can get. And since it's not coming to PC at any time soon that we know of, Xbox One X is the best way to play Red Dead Redemption 2. So if you're a Red Dead person, and I know people who are Red Dead people, and oh, yeah. you're already going to get it, Xbox One X, 100%. That's the way to go. All right, so we've talked a lot about uh, different games for different consoles, uh, every console, except for, you know, you mentioned the, the Wii. Uh, the, 3DS. The 3DS, there we go, sorry. Yeah. Um, which console do you think really reigns supreme in 2018? If someone was going to buy them their, their kid a console, or, or I don't know, just to, just to know in general, which one comes out on top? You know... This is a really hard one to answer because I think there's a case to be made for all three. Uh, Sony is the clear leader in terms of units sold and publishers love that. So you're going to get a ton of games on PlayStation 4. The problem is Sony has really pulled back on announcing more stuff. We're, we're still waiting for a lot of games that have been announced for years. Days Gone, which is sort of a motorcycle gang zombie shoot-up thing. Dreams, which is a follow-up to Little Big Planet. That's been sort of delayed and delayed and delayed. We don't know when The Last of Us Part Two is coming. We don't know when Ghost of Tsushima is coming. Death Stranding. There's a, these games, these giant AAA games that have been announced, and we don't know if they're coming out for this PlayStation or next. It could be a long wait. So uh, Microsoft has stepped up to essentially say, we're going to give you value. And by the way, my number three game of the year is the Xbox Game Pass. What I mean is you pay a certain amount per month. I want to say 10 bucks a month and you get Forza Horizon 4, which is great. You get Sea of Thieves, which All is right. fine. You get Halo Master Chief Collection, which has been finally fixed, works at 4K 60 frames a second on Xbox One X, meaning you can do split screen and everybody gets their own 1080p window. I couldn't oh, wow. believe, I can't believe, that's four, four, four 1080p displays on one screen, all playing split screen Halo. It's awesome. And a bunch of other games. So what I mean is when you get that Xbox Game Pass, you really are getting the most insane value, which is to me, Microsoft saying, uh, we're behind, we're not selling as many, we really have to give people something. And they have. So there's that. And then Nintendo Switch has a bunch of stuff coming out next year, as far as we know. They have not given an, a release dates for games like Metroid Prime 4 and Animal Crossing. But those are coming, and you know the other Nintendo hits are coming. It doesn't have to be a powerful system to be good Nintendo fun. So I honestly think it's a coin flip. Do you like the value proposition of Xbox Game Pass? Cool. Do you like the portability and exclusive Nintendo games of a Switch? Great. Do you want to feel sure that every... A uh, game ever made is probably come come out on PlayStation 4, including its awesome VR games. There you go. I, it's a tough call. You really should flip flip a three sided coin if those exist. <laughs> I'm sure they exist in in some way, shape, or form. You can make it happen. Uh, and it, it just goes to show that, especially like right now, there have been obviously there were a lot of sales that happened on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You can get these these consoles. No matter which which side you're going, you can get a pretty darn good deal. It might be a package deal, and you might be not necessarily saving money on the base model, but you'll get a lot of extras. Just keep posted in the next over the course of the next month because these deals are happening. Uh, 
Uh, I've seen a lot of them happening, so it's a great time to buy if you're thinking about it. Awesome stuff, man. You covered a lot of ground. <laughs> Thank you for putting that list together. Uh, and it's just uh, excellent information, excellent uh, information for shopping, also excellent information for me because I know I'm going to be buying some games there over the course of the next month. Uh, next episode, next week's episode, next Thursday, is one of my favorite uh, topics. I, At my core, I've, I consider myself a classic gamer. And so we're going to take a whole episode and we're going to dive into aspects of classic gaming from old content and how to make them look good on newer uh, technology television sets uh, to kind of taking a close look at the mini console craze to some of these consoles that are that are coming out by third parties to kind of mimic those old consoles and upgrade them and improve them. We dive into a lot of, of the weeds on classic gaming and maybe not in some of the ways that you might think. So that's next week's episode. Really great episode. And you guys want to make sure and check that out. Uh, links... Show notes, past episodes, subscribe information, everything that you need for this show can be found at twit.tv slash kh. You can find new episodes posted there every Thursday. Like I said, next Thursday is the next episode. Uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific is when we kind of post to the site. But also, uh, if we have a live recording of the show, you can find that at twit.tv slash live. Although I think next week's episode, well, I know next week's episode is pre-recorded, So there won't be a live component. But you can still go to twit.tv slash live. And at 11 a.m. next week, it's going to be played for you first and foremost. Uh, if you want to touch base with the community of Know How, you can go to the Google Plus community, search for the community there, just do a search for Twit Know How, uh, and you can chat about all the Know How topics that we have going on right now, that we've had in the past with IoT and a lot of the makery stuff that Padre has done. Uh, 12,000 other fans of the show are there all talk and shop. And uh, so just make sure and uh, search for Know How on Google+. And uh, that's kind of about it. Sam, always a pleasure to get the chance to, to hop on and, and do the show and talk gaming with you. Where do you want people to follow all your work online? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter, at Sam Red, the red hair. Uh, you can also head to Ars Technica, where you'll find all my articles about most of those games and a whole lot more. If you have questions about games, Hit me up on the Twitter. That's that's an easy way. I will respond if you are not a jerk. Absolutely. Don't be a jerk. Uh, just a little tip there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Howell, but I'm also here on Twit doing lots and lots of shows each and every week, so you find me here. And then, of course, we have our technical director, who today... We'll call him. Uh, the, does the Mac and Josh work for you? Well, no, I'm Alex, but uh, but you can still find me uh, on all your favorite social media uh, services that are still in vogue at the Mac and Josh, of course. Okay, good. All right, thank you, Josh. Yeah, really appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for all your help, uh, and thanks to you guys for watching this week. We will see you next week on another episode of Know How. And now that you know how, go buy some games. It's a really good time to do so. See you later. Bro.